Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Oh, oh, oh. Nailed to that cross, you took my place. Oh, God. You paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. We're going to get into the Bible right now. I'm going to be preaching out of Matthew chapter 18. And this is a message that you need. Say, say, I need it. I want you to believe that you need this message. I want you to believe every time you listen to preaching that God is real, that He's alive that his book is powerful, and it can speak to you. Because I know that there is a lot of need for this message in the earth today, and we are going to listen to the word of the Lord. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, the Bible says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied. But 70 times 7. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, How Many Times Are You Willing to Forgive Me? Pray with me. God, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for your word. God, I pray that right now that you'd anoint me to speak on your behalf, God. Give me the words that you'd have me to say that would be sound doctrine. Father, I pray you'd anoint my mouth and my mind to honor you with everything that is said from this pulpit today, God, I pray that you would increase our faith, teach us what you would have us to know. God, we pray for our nursery workers, for our children's church workers, God, that you would anoint them today to declare your truth and show your love in Jesus' name. Amen. How many times are you willing to forgive me? I've been saying it for years. One day it's going to happen. It's going to take some time. Uh, But one day I'm going to read the scripture, say the prayer, Pandemonium is going to, uh, uh, I'm going to read the scripture and announce the title. Pandemonium is going to break out and people are just going to fall on the altar in massive repentance. That's, that's coming. Uh, just lock in. Be here when that happens. Don't be like Thomas. He missed one church service in his entire fellowship, and that was the one Jesus showed up to, right? Don't be, don't be that dude. Don't, don't lay out a church. It, it, that'll be the day it got gooder, amen? But one day, I got the microphone. I can make up words. Hey, hey look. If, if Rick can do it from the back, I certainly can do it from the front. I know, I know. Hey, look, bro, don't get me on no long speech about that Spider-Verse movie me and the boys went and saw last night. You know we got to talk about that still. That's an hour after church right there. Uh, Charity and not even going to get lunch today. We're going to be so into that. But, oh, man, we need to grab hold of some of these things. In our spirit, just the very title of this ought to prompt you into some thinking. How many times are you willing to forgive me? How many times do you want me to be willing to forgive you? How many times do you want God to be willing to forgive you? We need to think about this topic of forgiveness because I've told you before that dude John Bevere became a multi-million, he might be a billionaire by now, with all the books, tapes, series sold on the spirit of offense. People in this generation are just, we've invented a new verb. She's triggered. Oh, he's triggered. Do do you know what that means? Poor little snowflake got their feelings hurt. They're melting. They're they're freaking out. Uh, you, You say something and people just go off the rails and people get so upset in this generation. I, I think it comes from having too much time on their hands. I told you, grandmama and them, they, they didn't have to worry about going to the doctor for depression. They were too tired to be depressed. It worked all day and all. They didn't have to go look for Z-Quil, melatonin, um, Unisom. They didn't need no sleep aids at night to stop their mind from running. They were too tired to stay up counting sheep. Because they were working hard. This generation got all this extra time on its hands, and one of the things this generation has decided to do is just get upset about everything. 
And so John Bevere comes along, and he wrote this book, and he preached this series that just blew up because so many people latched onto it because they were living it. And he talked about the spirit of offense. Here's what it is. Somebody said something to you, especially another Christian or especially in church, and you got your poor pitiful little feelings hurt, and you decided, that's it, I'm never going back. And, and here's the reality. You must not have been listening at all. Anybody that ever came to Abundant Life that caught a spirit of offense must not have been listening at all because the constant refrain has been, we're all in our process. We're all going through stuff. Nobody's perfect. Everybody's got issues. We got to love each other what? In spite of each other. Yeah, pe- people come and they're like, I just never expected Sister, Sister Jones to let me down. She, I, I thought she was a saint. Well, you don't know Sister Jones very well. Sister Jones a closet freak. You didn't know that? What are we talking about? Sister Jones had issues when we met her. You got her all up on pedestal 26 and you let that freak you out. People, the people left the church by the millions. When Jimmy Swaggart got caught for the however many time with, with hookers and made his multiple, you know, uh, repentance speech, people just left. But see, at that time, Jimmy Swaggart was the number one radio and TV most broadcast Christian speaker in the world. He was the head dude. He was bigger than Billy Graham. And, and when that people left, oh, my God, Jimmy, if it ain't real to Jimmy Swaggart, it ain't real to nobody. You, you know who that tells me it ain't real to? You. It, listen, it, it's like if, if somebody decided they, they don't know if they're a, a man anymore. You think that makes Elder Jimmy wonder if he's a man? Oh, my gosh. If Deacon Cedric don't know if he's a man, maybe I'm not a man. How's him coming out the closet going to make you question you? He ain't said nothing, Sonya. You can stay sitting by him. Mark is like, I'm leaving this whole family. I ain't in it. My name's Bennett, and I ain't in it. That's I'm done. Do me this way. People quit the church around the world, and they literally said, if Jimmy Swaggart ain't real, ain't nobody real. If you're real... That don't phase you a little bit. If Jesus is real to you, you're not going to let him go, no matter what anybody else does. So basically, the people who can't forgive, and hear me well, this is the end of punchline. I'm just jumping straight to it before you fall asleep. People who can't forgive well are primarily lost people. Because saved people know, man, I need forgiveness. I got to give some. I've done more, more, uh, nobody done as much bad to me as I've done to the Lord. So forgiveness should not be hard to give, but we live in a generation where people get upset. The Bible says an offended brother is harder to be won back than a fortified city. People get their little feelings on their shoulders and like, he hurt me. Or, Or even worse. I'm just offended. I'm offended that someone who claims to love God would actually see here. And, and I'll tell you the same thing I've been saying for years. I'm tired of fake Christians, immature Christians, and maybe even some real Christians being offended at what somebody else did to them, but they're never offended with their self. You get that? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just offended. Blah, 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 blah. And pastor never blah, blah, blah. And the deacons don't blah, blah, blah. And I just like, blah, 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 blah. And I, you, you don't ever sit in the mirror and just look at yourself and say, you disgust me. I'm offended at this person in the mirror's lack of prayerfulness. I'm just offended. When's the last time you just looked at yourself and said, I'm offended at my own Lack of holiness. I'm offended at my own lack of soul winning. I'm offended at my own level of giving. See, we want to fake these offenses against other people just to have something to whine and moan about. But we need to learn how to forgive. Say forgive. Jesus is teaching. We're going to get into it in a minute. 
Uh, it's the 23rd parable of the Lord. It's called the parable of the unforgiving servant. And a parable, we've talked about it before. It's, it, the, the, our English word parable comes from a Greek word parabole, which means to lay alongside for the purpose of drawing a comparison. Some people have said it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus taught constantly in a first natural, then spiritual teaching method where he would say natural things, talk to farmers about agriculture to get them to understand spiritual truths. And we're going to look at this parable in just a minute. But it's set up here in verse 21 when Peter comes to him and asks, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? And then he interjects by way of question seven times. He asks a question and he tries to give his own answer for it, but he knows he doesn't have the right answer, so he raises his voice at the end as if he's asking still a question. Listen, if you're asking somebody a question, let them give the answer, okay? He, it, this shows disingenuous motive on Peter's part. As I read this, I thought about myself, and some of y'all have heard this story, but it hit me so hard when I was reading this. I don't know why I did it because it never worked, but I got suspended a lot when I was in school, got kicked out, um, had lots of problems with teachers, uh, administration, authority, all kinds. Of, my mom was always having to come to the school. I told y'all one of the things that really helped me was the last time I got arrested, my mom wouldn't come pick me up, and I had to walk home from St. Augustine. Uh, fortunately, I got a ride and didn't have to walk the whole way, um, but I was a lot of times I'd be in the car with my mom. And, you know, my mom was one of them moms that would just beat you sideways. Golf club, bat, belt, fist, she didn't care, pan. Ask her. She'll tell you point blank. Um, tennis racket, she didn't, whatever she'd grab her hands on. Um, and it was never fun. And my, my mom, uh, ask her, ask Dina, uh, she'll tell you, my mom would hold our wrist and beat us in a circle with whatever she was holding so we couldn't run away from her. Screaming crazy the whole time. Shut up. Shut up that crying. Stop that crying. I'll give you something to cry about. I'm thinking, you are beating me in the head with a pot. You already gave me something to cry about and some issues to talk about in my 50s. My mom, and she knows it, my mom would be in prison now for the spanking she gave me in front of teachers, much less what she did in, in her own home. Prison, eternal prison, death penalty prison. But we'd be on that ride home. My mom would come get me out of jail. My mom would come get me because they kicked me out of school. My mom would come get me for whatever. And we'd be on that ride home. And I don't know why I did this because it never worked. But I'd always start trying to get my mom talking. Because, see, this, this, was, this was the 70s. And we didn't wear seatbelts. I mean, we'd lay babies in the floorboard. Uh, my mom was a chain-smoking, Marlboro red box, uh, windows rolled up, start one off the last one, uh, constant. The car had orangish-yellow film across the windshield and her window, okay? So, so, so this, this is my car ride home every day, choking to death, uh, but I try to engage. She'd just be smoking and, and, and just, uh, you can feel the, the, the steam coming off, what, what, what this beating was about to be like. So I try to get her talking. So how was work? <laughs> what you feel like cooking tonight, Mom? How's my little brother been doing in his schoolwork? She finally looked at me one day and she said, boy, it don't matter how many stupid questions you ask me. You're getting the same beating when we get home if you sit there and stay shut up. So just sit there and stay shut up. 
And I realized, okay, well, this technique doesn't work, but I keep trying it. Peter is trying to get the Lord talking, not because he really is, is, is wanting to hear what the Lord has to say. He's trying to look impressive. All right? Because Jesus had been teaching a lot about unity. He had been teaching a lot about fellowship. He had been teaching a lot about people gathering together in his name and him being there in the midst in this chapter. And so Peter's like, ooh, I know something I learned from the rabbis. So I'm, you know, it's like people ask a question to the teacher that they know the answer to because they're trying to look smart. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, so this is what Peter's doing. So Peter says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Now, if you study this chapter, you're going to find out this question's out of left field. This is not what Jesus has been talking about. This isn't what the current teaching is about, but he's just feeling himself at this time, and he's like, I, I learned something from the rabbis. I want to run this by Jesus and all the other disciples to make myself look good. You know, it's like that person that's always testifying about where they're reading in the Bible, and, and, uh, and, and they're really not doing a lot of reading. I'm not talking about you unless I'm talking about you. Amen? But he says, Lord, pray tell. I was just wondering, how many, and he goes in as, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Now, in this translation, it doesn't say it, it or it doesn't show the nuance of the question, but in the original language, the, the, the continuous verb text shows that it's a same sin many times. Okay, so it's, it's not like how many times should I put up with somebody doing something. It's like how many times should I let this brother do that exact same thing to me over and over and over and over and over again. Are you following? Say same thing. How many times should I let this dude do the same thing to me? And, and then here's where, he tries, here's where he tries to flex out. Because, you know, Peter knew parts of the Old Testament. He didn't know enough of it. Because he was constantly opening his mouth and inserting his foot. So he was always trying to get makeup points because he talked too much. Uh, I had to play, I, I don't play um, a lot of secular music uh, for my children because I want them to listen to things that encourage them to Christ. But I had to hit them with a little song, a little old school song from a few years ago. Somebody, some of y'all will remember it, some of y'all won't. But it, it was it was good practical teaching for someone who talked too much, and they simply said, "You talk too much, homeboy. You never." And so, and there's a lesson there. Well, the Bible says that you can ruin everything by failing to keep your mouth shut. The Bible says, in the in with the abundance of speaking, there's a lot of sin. And if you talk too much, eventually you're going you're gonna to put your foot in your mouth. And Peter was always doing that because he'd like to hear himself talk. And so it, there, there, this was one of those times where he was trying to get some makeup points. He was trying to cheese up to Jesus and ask him this question that he thought he knew the answer to. Because rabbis in that day, it was a very common teaching in first century um, Jewish culture that you should only say only. Forgive someone three times. Say three times. Whoa, 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 what a rough religion that was. You know, that was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Say it again. Say it again. You ain't got no times left, bruh. It's on now. And that's, I mean, that's what they taught three times. What's double three? Add one. So Peter's like, well, you know, Jesus is extra, extra, right? Jesus is extreme to, on what all these other teachers are teaching. So if these rabbis are teaching three, he thought he was going to make himself look good and, and very charitable and forgiving by saying, well, I think seven, Lord, what you think? And all the other disciples would have looked at him like, seven? Man, don't you know? R R Rabbi Levi said three. They, they, that's it. You get there. And he's like, seven, man, that's more than twice as much. That, that's like doubling the tithe and putting an offering on top of it. That, you're just going extra at this point because he was trying to come off 
as, as looking like he was being super forgiving. But look what Jesus said in verse 22. He said, no, not seven times, comma. So you pause and think about that. Uh, not seven times. Peter, all the wind's out of his sails. Now he's like, oh, man, it's always extra with you. It's always more. How much more? Eight? Nine? What you going to say? I said, I doubled it and added one because I knew you were going to double it. So Peter thought, I'm going to double it, add one, so we'll finally be on the same level because Jesus was always extra. And so he's thinking, oh, okay, well, not seven. What are you going to say, nine? Because that, that'd be three times as much as all of the teachers on the planet are saying we ought to forgive somebody for a similar offense. And Jesus said, no, not seven, 70 times seven. Okay, 70 times seven is how, don't, don't say it out loud because somebody's going to say the wrong answer. Let me just help you. So, so, somebody was going to say 14. But, <laughs> and, and feel good about it. 14! 490. 400. Could you imagine? Be like so, so, somebody, uh, if, if you say that one more time, and then 489 times, you're saying, saying one more, one more. Say, uh, Jesus was not, don't, don't think you can take a journal and just write down. That's, that's, that's 111 right there. Step lightly, you're going to be on 112 in a minute. You're you about to get, you're about to, you know. Fourth of the way there, we're moving on. No, he wasn't talking about literally 490. That's like saying, somebody telling you, some, some of y'all say this kind of stuff, I love you to the moon and back. Some of y'all just short, I love you to the moon. Do you even know how far the moon is? And is that really the end of it? it I mean, it's just like, it's, it's over if it's that many? And it's like, no, it's an expression, say expression. It, it, it is just trying to make... It's an exaggerated expression. It's, a, it's hyperbole for the point of trying to get you to understand more times than you can possibly imagine. Three was standard. Peter thought he was going out extra at seven. Jesus said, you're not even scratching the surface. It's over and over and over again. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think the average person, let's not even go average person. Let's go average Christian. Let's go average Bible-reading, tithe-paying, Jesus-loving Christian, saying the prayers, reading the Bible, making good choices, worshiping God. Do you think that the average Christian can have struggles forgiving people who continue to wound them? Very much so. Should they forgive or should they keep struggling with it? They should forgive. Let, let me tell you what a struggle is. It's when you're fighting against something that you're trying not to give into. All right? If, uh, if I came in here with a fire hose and just pointed, it, pointed the fire hose at you and said, walk toward me, you would be struggling to keep your balance. Are you following me? How could you stop struggling? You can just lay down. You don't need me to do anything. You can just lay down, put your back to it, cover your ears. You're not struggling anymore. The struggle only stays a struggle as long as you fight against something. People say, well, I'm struggling with unforgiveness. What that really means is I don't want to let it go. That's why I'm still fighting it. I'm holding on to it. I'm trying to walk against the current of God's word. I'm trying to do something I know I shouldn't be doing, and I'm struggling with it. I want to tell you something. Forgiveness is mandatory. We're going to see that in a minute. Jesus said not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, Jesus, I told you, Peter knew a little bit of the Old Testament. How much of the Old Testament do you think Jesus knew? All of it. And Jesus makes a play on words here that most English-speaking people wouldn't get. Most people in this generation wouldn't get because we're not familiar with the expressions of the Old Testament to the point where we should be. Uh, Jesus says not seven times, but 70 times seven. Almost all theologians agree Jesus is making a play off what Lamech said in Genesis 4, 24, where he said, if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech, 70 and sevenfold. Now, 
God had said that if anybody hurts Cain, that they'll be avenged. Uh, Cain be avenged seven times. Lamech, proud, arrogant, feeling himself, he said, "Man, if, if Cain's so special, anybody hurts him, then the, the vengeance is gonna come sevenfold. Truly, for me, because I'm so awesome, it's gonna be seventy and seventyfold. Now, do you think Lamech really meant four hundred and ninety, or did you think he meant it's coming and coming and coming? He didn't have a number in mind. He just meant it was gonna be continuous." huge and 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 is never going to stop that's a play on words see we we don't get that unless you do a lot of study because we don't understand their that was a common expression that seven times 70 was a common expression then for bigger number than you can imagine son that's like well if you slap me once i'm gonna slap you five times they may only slap you twice you might get smooth knocked out they they were just letting you know it's coming after you we 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 have familiar expression let me run one by y'all some of y'all know if you mess with the bull you get the you knew that was coming you you knew what to say right there and when they when they heard Jesus say not seven 70 times seven they're like oh wow that, that that's that's that keep on coming number like what Lamech said in Genesis so then Jesus goes into expounding on what he's saying in his 23rd parable in the Gospels, in, in verse 23, Jesus says, therefore, comma. Always pause on the punctuation. Take the Bible in bite-sized pieces. Get it down in your spirit to where you can understand it. Chew on it for a little bit. There's a comma, pause, reflect. And I told you, anytime you see the word wherefore or therefore, you need to stop and consider what it's what? Therefore. Therefore means because of what I just said. Okay? So Jesus is talking about forgiveness, how often to Forgive. So he says, okay, because we're talking about forgiveness, because we're talking about how often forgiveness should be given, uh, let me give you another nugget of truth. Let me give you another parable. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. Parable, say parable. If you've been at Abundant Life for any length of time, you've been taught that a parable primarily is teaching how many points? One point. Say one point. People get messed up when they study parables and they try to assign value to every word, every person, every action. Because there is this, oh, well, the king re represents uh, the kingdom of heaven. And usually if there's a father being talked about in the story, who's that representing to us? If there's a son in the story, that's representing Jesus. So these parables always are representative, comparative analogies. Um, and people get messed up when they try to look too deep, say, don't go too deep. Okay, so Jesus is talking about the subject of forgiveness. There's the answer. Here's the question. What subject is Jesus talking about? Forgiveness. And he says, okay, well, let's, let's, let's run forgiveness this way. There's a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. Verse 24 says, In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Now, this is where different translations get to uh, saying different things. Because in, in the King James, let, let me see what it says, uh, verse 24, 10,000 talents. Okay, so this newer translation just breaks it down to millions of dollars. Can millions of dollars be less than a million? No. Can it be more than 5 million? Yes, it could be more than 100 million. It could be more than 1,000 million, and 1,000 million is what? A billion. So it could be more than a billion. It could be thousands of millions, which would be multiples of billions. So, you know, they got all these professors and, and deep thinkers and researchers that put the, put the uh, deep look on this stuff, do a deep dive into this, and find out in today's dollars what 10,000 talents, which is about 75 pounds of whatever you're measuring. A talent was a, a measurement of weight, about 75 pounds. And so uh, the best number that I've seen um, that really makes the most sense with the original language is 
1.2 billion. Could you imagine owing somebody 1.2 billion? You just may as well throw your hands up, move, change locations. Uh, y'all, y'all remember Homeboy Shopping Network? Uh, y'all been watching Living Color, man? When the cops would show up, they'd be we're changing locations. I mean, you owe somebody 1.2 billion. That that is a lot of money. Uh, but this is where this dude's at. Uh, this king has people who owe him a lot, owe him a little. Uh, this guy was probably on the on the high end. Uh, he owed him millions of dollars. Verse 25 says he couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay the debt. Now, let me tell you one thing I am so grateful that America did not bring over from England. Debtor's prison. Debtor's prisons have been in existence around the world from the beginning of time. You get in debt, they lock you up take you on as a slave, your wife, your children, sell your kids off to different people, your wife off to a different person. That's why people back then knew debt is trouble. You say, well, I'm I'm cool with debt because, you know, there's no debtor's prison. Yeah, but it can lock you up in your mind. All right? That's a different uh, message for a different time. But this dude's like, okay, you can't pay me, so here's how it's going to go. We are going to sell y'all off as slaves. You, your wife, your children, everything you've got, that pitiful little shack you're living in, all of it. Your donkey, your ugly donkey, your retarded sheep, we're selling all that uh, so I can recover what little bit of money I can recover. There was a woman in uh, a church I used to go to, and she worked for Discover. And I'm going to tell you something, it's just free advice for y'all, debt folk. I thank God, I don't owe anybody any, any credit card debt, I don't believe in it. Uh, but she worked for Discover Recovery. And, and she said, we're, prou- we're proud of what we do at Discover. Uh, and Visa and MasterCard, if you file bankruptcy on Visa and MasterCard, they just take it on the chin like a champion. They're just like, oh, well, they went on that cruise, and uh, they, they, bought, they bought all that all them clothes and shoes, and they got a new washer dryer and a TV right before they filed bankruptcy. This chick's job, every day she went to downtown Jacksonville, stood in bankruptcy court with a list of everything they were ever bought off Discover, and, it, and she made the judge allow them, yeah, you're going to have to get back to that fishing pole. Coming to get your TV. Come, coming to get that. Listen, Discover's old school. Play Discover if you want to. Let me tell you something. They're coming to get their stuff. This dude was serious about getting his, his payment back. He said, we're selling everything you got, man. You, you owe me all this money. You're not paying. You racked up over a billion dollars worth of debt to me. I, I, I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. So that's it. You, you're, all, you're all going to jail. You're all going to be sold into slavery. Verse 26 says, but the man fell down before his master and begged him. All right, now, here's a change of pace. Say change. Got to be a change of pace because you can't borrow $1.2 billion all at one time. Nobody's trusting you that much off Jump Street. Some of y'all remember when you was first establishing credit. You got that little $500 credit limit at at Lowe's. You thought, wow, man, I'm rolling. They trust me. And and now now you're getting stuff in the mail every day, $15,000 credit limit pre-approved. And you're like, oh, they're burying me. Okay, this guy been borrowing money for so long. Now, in, instead of coming in there saying, yo, man, loan, loan, me another, loan me another million. Let me get another million. Let me get another million. I, I got you. I got you. Instead of his pride digging him a deeper hole, listen, you can't, some of y'all borrowing money to pay off debts, you're just digging the hole deeper. All right? You don't, get, you don't dig your way out of a hole with a shovel. You climb your way out of a hole with a ladder. Different message for a different group of people. He goes in there with a change of attitude, and he gets humble. He falls down in front of him, and he begs him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. <laughs> okay, now I did some math on this, all right? Um, using the common amount of money that the average daily worker got paid in that day and time, how many years do you think it'd take, bro, to pay him back $1.2 billion? 10 years? 20 years? 
Here's, here's what consumer reports or, or uh, uh, the government says about consumer debt right now. The average person, if you only make the minimum payment on your $7,000 worth of credit card debt, do you know how many years that take you to pay it back? 42. 42 years to pay back $7,000. Why? Because that minimum payment only covers the interest, and it's just growing. So it, this, this, I, I did some math on this. $164,190 days. 164,000 years and 190 days on top of that. 164,000 years. Anybody think this brother was going to live to be 164,000? A tenth of that. Was he going to live to be 16,000? One percent of that. Was he going to live to be 164? No. This dude, like, I'm like, hey, man, just give me some time and I will pay it all. This is the stupidity of people speaking. It's like, yo, man, I just need to catch a good break. It's, it's like people borrowing money from gangsters. You know, it's like, it's like gamblers borrowing money. I, I just need to hit the trifecta, man. I'm going to get 200 scratch. Let, let me borrow $200. I'm going to get 200 scratch-off tickets. You know what 200 scratch-off tickets will get you? About $11.65 scratch-off tickets to scratch again and, and just keep you scratching for the rest of your life. This dude couldn't pay it back, but he was in a bind, and he was begging. See, sometimes begging will get you what you need. You, you, you need to have the humility to ask for forgiveness. But this guy's like, man, if you just give me some time, as if time was going to pay this back. Time was not going to pay this debt back. This debt is way too big. Say big. This debt is way too big for time. This dude don't make that kind of bank. This dude is in so way over his head, he's never going to be able to pay that back. But the master is nice. The, the master is gracious. And the, verse 27 says, Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. It's party time now. It's, it's like, what? If they would have cut it in half, he would have been throwing a party. If they would have cut it down to 1%, he'd have been throwing a party. He's just like, man, I tell you what. I, I stand up, bro. You you out here begging? I, I say, I say you, you can't never pay it back, man. Let's be real. Let's be honest. I, you you owe me too much. I'm either gonna have to lock you up, sell you off, or just let it go. So instead of coming down on you hard, trying to get you to pay back something you can't pay back, I'm just gonna forgive the whole thing. <laughs> like hallelujah, uh, man. That'll make a Presbyterian speaking tongues. And verse 28 says, but when the man left the king. He went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. You see how raggedy this dude is? Okay, so $2,000 or 100 denarii was 100 days pay then, which is about 20 bucks a day. And uh, so... This represents one six hundred thousandth of what he's just been forgiven. He's sweating this dude over two grand. Boss man just let him off of one point two billion. Okay? But he ain't having it. He grabbed him by the throat and said, Man, you better pay me right now. I need my money. This guy's mind is all wrong. Verse 29 says, his fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. Three things he had just done to the big boss. He fell down and he begged him for more time. This guy does the exact same thing. Falls down, goes to begging, asking for more time. He said, be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. Verse 30, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had that man arrested and put in prison till the debt could be paid in full. Now, see, Jesus, remember, he's telling this parable, but he's trying to get you to think spiritual. Somebody owed something so big they could never pay it back. You got figured out who that is yet? That's us. 
another human being owed that debtor a little tiny piece of nothing compared to what he owed, and he would not extend the same forgiveness that had been given to him. Now, the, the, the money wasn't insignificant. It was 100 days' pay. That, that's a long time. That's over three months of working to make that money. That, that's a significant amount of money. But compared to the money he was just forgiven, it was nothing. If you ever start seeing your sin as costly as it really is, if you ever start seeing how horrible your sin, how painful, how costly your sin was to God and to Jesus, you'll stop holding unforgiveness against other people. I had to come to grips a long time ago as, as a young Christian. In my first year of Christianity, 37 years ago, I had to come to the realization that I had to forgive people. And it, and it, and, and it was obvious to me that if God had forgiven me for my sin that cost him the life of his son, that I could forgive anybody who ever did anything to me because that's a small thing and mine was a big thing. Here's the problem why people won't give forgiveness because they don't realize that they're sinners. They don't realize that their sin is vile and wicked. They're just so proud and arrogant. All they can do is stay concentrated on how you wronged me. You hurt me. You did me wrong. No awareness of the fact that they had done worse to God, and this is being played out here in this parable at 1.2 billion to 2,000, uh, or 120 million to 200, or 12 million to two dollars. That's the math on that. Somebody, get, listen. I, I'll make this pledge to you. Anybody want to give me 12 million? I'll give you two dollars back. It's a bargain, right? This is, this is what's going on here. Verse 31 says, when, the, when some of the other servants, say other servants, saw this, they were very upset. Okay? Now, the dude doing this has no conscience. He, he doesn't, he's not offended within himself for his own bad behavior, but some of these other people that, that were just in the same boat as him, needing forgiveness, needing uh, their debts forgiven, uh, they, they see what he did, and it says they went to the king and told him everything that happened. It's about to get bad for dude. It's about to get bad because they went to the king and like, hey, king, man, you, you're so cool and you're so awesome and you're so generous and you're so forgiving. You just forgave dude over there uh, a billion plus. He just went out and choked a dude out over two grand. You just forgave him 600,000 times more than he just went and had a dude locked up and thrown in prison over listen listen to what the great preacher charles spurgeon said others could see his evil conduct even if he could not sometimes uh we, we we're blind to our own sinful and fleshly conduct we see the wrongs other people do but we don't see the wrongs that we do i'll tell it to you this way it's hard to smell your own garbage listen if you ever smell your breath and it, you know your breath is bad it's too late you already hurt a bunch of people's feelings. If you can smell your own perfume too much, you're choking everybody out around you, people sitting five rows away from you still smelling it. It's hard to see your own drama. These people saw what this dude was doing wrong, and they went and told the king. Listen to what happened in verse 32. Then the king called the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt. Because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? So now we're getting to where the rubber meets the road. Now we're getting to the meat of the matter. He's saying, the king is saying, I forgave you big time. Shouldn't you forgive these other people? If you ever realize that God has forgiven you big time, you'll stop holding other people to your crazy standards. If you realize the scale of all of your sin from birth to death, offending a holy God versus what? Well, you don't know what they did to me. Oh, well, did they cost you to have your firstborn child beaten, stripped naked, crucified, hung on a cross and killed? Did they put you through that? What if they did? What, what, what if they did that to you? Did they keep doing it 
over and over and over and over again? No. It, it, the, the debt that we've been forgiven is huge. The things that people have done against us may seem huge to us, but they don't compare to the debt that we owe. Verse 34 says, Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Mm. Why? Let's see who's listening. Why did the king send that man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt? Why? Because he wouldn't forgive the other dude. Because he wouldn't forgive. There is a price to be paid for unforgiveness. This is the one point. There is a price to be paid for unforgiveness. God is serious about forgiving us. But when he sees us not forgiving others, it causes something in him that you do not want to put into motion. In verse 35, Jesus said, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. I love the specificity of the Bible. I love how specific this book is. He didn't say you, you forgive them in your head. He didn't say you work that old tired, I'll forgive them, but I'll never forget. Let me give you a hint. That's not forgiveness. That's you staying in your struggle to hold on to your unforgiveness. That, that, that's you being unwilling to let go of it. You got to forgive them from your very being. He said, if you don't do that, if you refuse to forgive from your heart, your heavenly father is going to throw you in prison and make you pay for your own debt. Well, the Bible says that the payment for our sins is death in hell forever. Anybody want to pay that? Or you want to plead for forgiveness from Jesus? Well, if you plead for forgiveness from Jesus for all your sin, guess what he's going to make sure you do to other people who sin against you? Walk around with a spirit of offense for five years, lay out of church, talk bad about Christians? No. We have to forgive, say forgive. When Jesus was teaching his disciples on prayer in Matthew chapter 6, he only gave one piece of instruction in the model prayer that had a catch. Say catch. There's a catch. All the rest of it was plain statements with nothing, no follow-up, no hinge, no catch. There, there, there was a catch on forgiveness. In Matthew 6, 14, Jesus said, it, because in the model prayer, he said, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who. Okay. Forgive us as we forgive them. It would be like uh, me, me saying, you be just as hard on them as they are to you. There's a relativity here that is expected to be equal. The forgiveness that we give others is to be relative to the forgiveness that we've received ourselves. Now, we love to believe that we're totally forgiven. We love to believe that he casts our sin as far as the east is from the west and choose to remember it no more. We love to believe that our sins will never be held against us and that he canceled out the writing of ordinances that were against us. We love to believe that our forgiveness is unconditional. But he said, when you pray, say, forgive us as we forgive others and then he went on to say if you forgive those who sin against you your heavenly father will forgive you now he could have left it right there and we could have used the bible principle i've been teaching y'all for years of inference and we could have seen what he inferred but he figured i better clear this up so there'd be no mistake in verse 15 he said but if you refuse to forgive others your father will not forgive your sins now this should be the bigger topic of discussion, I run into people everywhere I go. As soon as they find out I'm a pastor, they want to know what I believe about speaking in tongues, and do I believe once saved, always saved? <laughs> I'm like, do, do you care if I believe in prayer? Do you care if I believe in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, or you just want to jump right into tongues and once saved, always saved? That's all they care about. They want to know what I believe in tongues. I'll tell you what I believe in tongues. I believe that 
all the gifts that God gave to His church will continue to operate until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. To include all signs, wonders, and miracles, I believe the majority of what we're seeing in Western culture right now is fake and counterfeit because I'll just tell it to you this way. If you hadn't been in a new members class, you'd already learned this. The Bible says, if any speak in tongues in a corporate setting, let it be by two or three at the most. You go to a church and 15 different people speak in tongues, that's counterfeit. Okay, so that, that, that knocks out what I believe. And then they want to know, well, what do you believe about once saved, always saved? And I say, okay, well, tell me what you mean by that. Are you asking, do I believe somebody could pray a prayer when they're eight years old, never change, live like hell their whole life, and go to heaven because they got saved at eight years old? No, I don't believe that because I don't believe they got saved at eight years old. I don't believe they got saved eight years old and lost their salvation. We're not talking about once saved, always saved versus losing their salvation because the Scripture says in Hebrews that if they could fall away, it would be impossible to uh, renew them. So now, the Bible says what God does, he does forever. Jesus said when people are sent, cast into the, the lake of fire, he'll tell them, I never knew you, not I knew you, but I stopped knowing you. But no, I don't believe that dude that, that prayed that prayer uh, 10 years ago and lived like hell for the last 10 years uh, is once saved, always saved, because I don't believe he's ever saved. Okay? That, that people people want to talk this. And listen, there are people out there that think because they asked God to save them and they had some emotional experience in a church or with Jesus somewhere that they can live any kind of way they want to and die and go to heaven anyhow. That is not taught in the Bible anywhere. The Scripture plainly says without holiness, no one will see the Lord. The, the Bible says if you're in Christ, you become a new person. If you don't change some kind of way, you're not saved to begin with. But here's where people ought to really get in on this once saved, always saved conversation because it doesn't matter to me what you believe about once saved, always saved, lose your salvation, whatever that is. Jesus said, see, all that other stuff was taught to you by some preacher. Jesus said, if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Well, what if you say, but I know I'm saved and God is supposed to, for, you think God's going to override what Jesus just said? No, Jesus is speaking for the Father. You have any manner of whatever you want to call salvation you want to, but if you walk in this life with unforgiveness, Jesus has made it very clear. Your Father will not forgive your sins. This is why I told you in the beginning, the people who struggle the most with unforgiveness aren't truly saved. And the ones who are saved need to come to a realization that says, I've got to let this go. Because Jesus is not playing around just like that man who threw this dude into prison wasn't playing around. If I'm going to take forgiveness, I've got to give forgiveness. Charles Spurgeon said, we incur greater wrath by refusing to forgive than by all the rest of our indebtedness. You really want trouble come your way? Walk in unforgiveness. You really want misery? Walk in unforgiveness. You really want God not forgiving you? Walk in unforgiveness. You really want to rack up the biggest level of debt you can? It's not by your sin. You sin, you ask God to forgive you. You keep moving on. Scripture says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But this is the one catch. Say catch. He's going to forgive you the same way you forgive others. This is the word of the Lord. You don't have to agree with it. It's in plain black, white, and red letters. One theologian said if it were possible, which is not, but if it were, we should be quicker to forgive than God is. Because we are sinners who needed forgiveness ourselves, and we should understand that. God never needed it. Come on, Jeff. We should be quicker to forgive others than we are. Here is the number one qualifier most people put on forgiveness. I ain't forgiving them because they don't deserve it. Do you deserve to be forgiven? Or did God forgive you based on grace and mercy? Did you do anything to win your forgiveness? Or did God just give it to you? We refuse. Well, I ain't forgiving them till they repent to me. How arrogant must you really be? You're no king. You're no God. Who are you that a human being would even need to repent to you? We are all sinners. Saved, if at all, saved by God's miraculous 
grace gave us forgiveness against ourselves. Put no criteria on us. Just that we ask to be forgiven. And boom, yes. I ain't forgiving them till they apologize. They, I, need a, I, I need a letter. I need it notarized. I need them to stand up before the entire church board and let them know I was right. They were wrong. How arrogant are you? And how wrong is that thinking? You hold your offense higher than you think you've offended God. No one in this room is holy, ultimately, but God. We, we, I mean, we don't even get offended by sin anymore in this generation. The stuff they show on the 6 o'clock news, they couldn't have put on TV 50 years ago. People would have been disgusted by that. Our grandparents wouldn't laugh at the jokes that you laugh at now. We're so far from God's level of holiness, yet we want to act, well, they wronged me. Okay, they wronged you. Have you ever done anything wrong? Do you want to be forgiven? Because Jesus said it very plain, if you won't forgive other people, then God is not going to forgive you. The choice is yours. If you want forgiveness, you have to forgive others. We are that debtor in this 23rd parable that has been forgiven a gigantic debt so big we could never pay it back. He didn't ask the debtor to pay it back. He said, I forgive the entire thing. You don't have to pay back a portion of it. You don't have to work for it. I just give you complete forgiveness. That's who we are. The question is, are we holding on to the debts others owe us or what we think others owe us? You say, oh, no, they really did me wrong. I'll give you that. There are people in this room right now that have been done wrong at unimaginable levels. There are people in this room right now that have had family members been done wrong at unimaginable levels. Should they forgive? Man, we see these stories. So-and-so did this to, to such and such, and, 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 and I, I, I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. I see these stories, and like, dude took this family's child, killed them, and, 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 and here comes this Christian mother or grandmother and, and just stands up and says, we're praying for the man that did this to my child, that he'll receive God's love and forgiveness. We're praying for his. And I look at that, and I think, now, that's saved for real, man. That's just that's beyond me. That ain't, uh, I, 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 I need justice at that point. Anybody understand what I'm saying? We look at those people like they are the super saints of all super saints. Listen, they are people doing what they've been commanded to do. I was just telling a good friend of mine uh, this week that everybody's got a sad story or a hard story to tell. Everybody in this room could, could stand up and say something about how they were wronged in life. But is it bigger than the sins you've made against God? Have you been wronged more times than you've sinned? Have you been wronged more times than the sins you've made against God? If you think you have, your math is bad. You're not understanding how holy God is. The thing that I want you to do today, Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 8, he said, freely you receive, freely ought you to give. What he gave to you for free, you ought to give to others for free. If you believe God has given you forgiveness at no cost to you, then I want to ask you to forgive that one, that many, who, me. It's so wild. There are people in, there are people in this church, listen, I know this is going to shock some of y'all, that don't like me. 
He's the most awesome thing. I, 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 I smile when I lay down at night every night knowing this. They got to love me in spite of me. I don't have to walk a chalk line for you. I don't have to be perfect for you. I've had people leave the church and, well, pastor just, blah, 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 blah. Oh, so you want all the forgiveness for yourself, but you got none for me. And that's why I said the title of the message is, how many times are you willing to forgive me? What if I just keep hurting your feelings? What if I just keep offending you? What if I just, what if I just start stealing from you? What if I just pay Deacon Dixon to go out and, and just put your car on blocks and take your tires from you every time you come here? We're going to a tire shop business. Are you willing to forgive others? Common sense would say if somebody gave you a bunch of stuff, you ought to be willing to give some of it away. I'm asking you please today, let go of who you're holding on to. You think you're hurting them? They've moved on. They don't care about you. They never did. They did what they did and they kept living. You're living a prison sentence through your unforgiveness. Your unforgiveness has you imprisoned in a cell of mental torture because you won't let it go. You tell yourself, I can't let it go. But the truth is you won't let it go because Jesus told us to let it go. He wouldn't tell us to do something that we couldn't do. You can let it go. My question to you is, will you? Here's what I want you to think about. We talked Wednesday night about some parallels with the life of David and some people in our life that we probably hurt along the way, some people in our life that hurt us along the way. Can you forgive them? Will you let that go? I wish it was just as easy as saying, uh, Shabadoo, Shabadoo, I forgive. Or the ridiculous thing that's overtaking churches across America. I declare and I decree in Jesus' name, I forgive everybody. Okay. You think it's that easy? If you ever really forgave somebody of something that was vile, which I have, if you ever forgave somebody of something that was devastating to you personally, which I have, I want you to know this. That stuff will climb back up on you. How many, how many of y'all understand? Pastor, I've been, I've been forgiving and re-forgiving this same issue for a while. Keep forgiving. When it pops back up, say it out loud. I forgive whoever it is. I am not going to die and go to hell because I stand before Jesus and say, but you saved me on July 15, 1981. I've been preaching that Red Bible message my whole life, Lord. You, 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 you changed my life. And then he tells me, the Father can't forgive your sins, Scott, because you held somebody else in unforgiveness. You say, is that really how it works? How do you read the scripture? What did you see it say? Forgive. Receive forgiveness from God for your huge debt. And give forgiveness to everyone for their every debt. Because you do not want God to hold forgiveness from you. We could have a big altar call right now, and I can tell everybody to come down front, and I can pray with you, pray for you. You could pray here. I don't feel led to do that right now because some people get caught up in emotion and do it just for the emotion of it. But you need to forgive somebody right where you sit right now. You need to let something go. It's freeing. You think you're letting them go. You're letting yourself go. You're getting rid of those chains of hate and unforgiveness and bitterness and contempt that are binding you up and keeping you from living the abundant life that Jesus has promised you. You just need to say it, I forgive. 
Let's just do that together. I forgive. Do it again. I forgive. Pray with me. God, thank you for forgiving us. Lord, I pray that you'll begin to work a supernatural work in the lives of the people in this room. That true forgiveness would be given. Not just an emotional declaration. Not just caught up in a sermon declaration. But that true forgiveness from our hearts would be given to those who wounded us. That true forgiveness from our hearts would be given to those who have done horrible things to us. God, you have forgiven us freely without condition, without demand. Help us, God, to give away forgiveness freely. Thank you, God, for forgiving us of our sins. God, I pray for every person in this room that's not truly saved, that you would draw them to yourself by your spirit, God. I pray that you would let them experience the new birth from your spirit, God. I pray that you would let them experience heavenly forgiveness from you. Teach us, God, how to live your word. I ask that you'd fill us with your spirit and enable us to walk in your truth so we could have fellowship with you and with your son. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.